That's so on brand for you. So on brand. Yep, very on brand. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's So On Brand podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Mann. I'm a graphic designer and business coach, and I am endlessly fascinated by other people's passions. It's our passions that make us unique, relatable, and people that others want to work with and get to know. I'm on a mission to get people thinking about their story and how their life experiences have molded them into the entrepreneur, athlete, or professional that they are today. You may not be for everyone, but you are most definitely a person that someone out there needs right now. So join me every Wednesday to hear from aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners and see just how unique, authentic, and inspiring each person's journey is. So let's get into it. A quick note before we begin, um, as I was editing this episode, I noticed some weird audio things happening on my side. Not sure why. That's technology. This is what happens when you do things remotely and away from each other. Um, I don't think it's too distracting and it doesn't happen the whole time, but just wanted to let you all know that yes, I hear it too. You are not crazy. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I have another Kristen with me today. Hello. (laughs) Kristen times two. How's it going? (laughs) Really excited to have you on. You're one of the people that Instagram brought us together, which I think is always kind of fun. So I'm excited to to learn more about your journey. I know a little bit, but to get a little deeper in. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. I can't wait. I've been following the podcast and watch how it's grown. And so cool to be on it now. I know. So fun. So tell everyone what you do. What what do you offer? What's your, what's your jam? Yeah. So I uh, run my own branding agency. It's called Storybook Road Creative Agency. And I offer brand design, brand copywriting, and brand videography. So it's sort of just a one-stop shop for sort of your brand, brand and marketing needs. Awesome. So you just went through a rebrand, which is super exciting. And I'm glad that I asked you to be on after the rebrand that worked out really well. I know. So tell us about the rebrand and maybe what you were working with before and then what made you want to change and why Storybook Road? Yeah, I know the rebrand was pretty exciting. When I first started freelancing, it was a very casual thing. I was doing it on the side of my full-time job and I was just taking projects as they came. So I was just branded under my name because it was it was super casual. I wasn't sure what I was doing with it. So I was K-Arch Designs to begin with because Arch is the beginning of my last name and Kristen, obviously. So, you know, I was just like, it'll just be easy, recognizable. Um, And then as I started progressing and getting more into it, um, I started taking on jobs that weren't just design. I started doing more video jobs and doing more writing jobs. And initially I was just doing them under the radar on the side and they were coming in more and more. And I was like, maybe I should just put this all together under one brand. And so I started with KRH Studio, omitted the designs. Um, But as I was launching in full time and decided to really commit to this and leave my full time job, I really wanted something that was going to stand the test of time and grow with me where I see this going. And so I, I took a hard look and I sat down about what I felt my 
my journey was and what I thought all these different mediums have in common and what it came down to and what it distilled down to was my love of storytelling and telling brand stories, whether it be through writing, um, video, or just their visual identity, it's all a form of storytelling. So that's sort of where Storybook Road came from. I remember asking you, I was like, is that a legitimate place? Like, is that an actual road? And you were like, not that I know of. (laughs) I know. It kind of reminds me of Storyland in New Hampshire a little bit. I don't know if you know that place. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's actually amazing how many different versions of story there are out there in all these different like companies. Um, And so I was going through so many different iterations of how to say story in a company name and everything that I was coming up with was taken, 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 taken. And so (laughs) I eventually distilled down to Storybook Road um, and I kind of liked it. I like that it's a little ambiguous. Yeah. So I'm interested in how you came up with the the color palette and like the overall look and feel of, of the brand because the orange is what pops out to me the most, that orange and all of your graphics and everything. And I feel like a lot of people kind of stay away from orange almost. I don't know why. So I'm just curious yeah. if you go orange, if that was your reasoning or not. Yeah, it's really funny. It was a very controversial decision among my my <laughs> friends and family. Um, but when I, my colors for, for um, KRX Designs was a, a navy and gold. Um, and I remember when I first branded myself for KRX Designs, um, the only thought that I had, because I really wasn't branding myself, I was just casually freelancing, but I wanted something that looked professional. And I was like, Navy and gold is luxur- luxurious. And I was like, I will make something that looks luxurious, it looks professional, even though I'm just casually doing this. When I thought about Storybook Road and what my mission was and really what I wanted to go with it, um, I wanted to choose colors that um, were inviting. Um, they were also had a vintage feel, a sort of nostalgia to them, but also that, um, spoke creativity in me and to me orange is it's now it's not it's not a vibrant orange it's more of a burnt orange if I'm going to get technical (laughs) but (laughs) because we are in a brand podcast of course (laughs) (laughs) but um orange to me is lively it's bright um it speaks imagination when I think of um you know Disney or any of those big sort of imaginative imaginative mediums I think of orange but it also to me is very college oriented mm. and it has it has a sort of nostalgia in in academics a little bit and so for me I when I was branding my badge my badge is a vintage sort of um rustic looking badge and I wanted it to be sort of reminiscent of like a college sweatshirt because I wanted it to be approachable. I wanted it to be something that um, has a human aspect to it, but I also wanted it to be- For me, it's almost timeless. Timeless, that's the word, yes, timeless. I wanted something that would be, withstand the test of time and look, I wouldn't need to change it very often, but I also wanted it to be, something that could sort of be molded as I grow because you can use it in so many different ways. And I made it, what's the word I'm looking for? It's that system. 
Quick side note, we were talking about a responsive logo system. Okay, we'll get back into it now. MS in the middle, I can take out and use in different things without using the whole badge. I can't remember what the name of the system is called right now. I know, me either. I keep saying flexible, but it's not flexible. It's not flexible. Um, otherwise, it, it, you get the idea of it, though. But that was my that was my goal was to have something that was, since it's so enmeshed in storytelling, I really wanted it to be something where people felt approachable and they felt kind of comfort in. And to me, like college sweatshirt vintage vibes gave that. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. I definitely get that vibe from it, and it's definitely super approachable. The orange makes it really fun, but not like in your face, bright, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's a good balance of all of those things and still professional and modern and everything that you would want in a a modern brand. So I love it. I've been wanting to rebrand myself for so long and I just haven't because I'm not like, it's just, it's such a process and I know how much work goes into that. It's so hard to do it for yourself. Oh my God. It, it was so much work and so much time consuming. And I remember it was, I was like a month into running this on my own and I still hadn't put the name out there because I was like, once you commit, you're committed. Yeah. And I was going through all these different iterations and all these different looks. And then eventually I was like, you need, you need to make a decision and you need to move forward. But it's, it's tough doing stuff for yourself. Cause you're, you're the end all be all of all the decisions. Right. And as designers, we wanted to reflect our work and our expertise. So we wanted to be perfect. But again, nothing, nothing is perfect. And because we're designers, it means that we can make tweaks along the way, too. So I think that just getting something out there is super important. But congratulations on making it public. So exciting. Thank you. (laughs) It was very exciting. Um, Yeah, I, I know we talked about it a little beforehand, so it's cool to see it come to fruition yeah absolutely I love it so what made you make the move to doing this on your own full-time and I know a little bit about your background you didn't start in the design field as you were you know looking for jobs and whatnot so I'm just interested in like that trajectory of events oh yeah definitely all right well I'll start with taking the leap Um, and that was a decision I agonized over for a while, but I know that, um, what was happening was I was getting the work that I was doing on the side of my full-time job was just becoming increasingly more demanding to the point that I couldn't do both. And I needed to make a decision and the job that I was in didn't really allow me enough flexibility, stability, security to where I felt like I could keep pursuing it. Um, I mean, for everyone listening, I was in education for uh, about three and a half, four years. And I was looking into possibly going to graduate school for it and pursuing that as the next change in my life. Um, And then the pandemic hit and everything threw a curve. Um, And the thought of spending money and going through that whole process again, while the whole academic system is under a huge fluctuation right now. It just didn't seem super secure and stable as much as I loved it. And I had this career path that was kind of growing on the side naturally. And it was 
becoming my revenue stream. And so the decision to, to take the leap was more, it kind of just happened naturally. And I was like, I just need to pick a path and go with it. And it's sort of already starting on its own. Right. As far as um, getting to this point in my life, that was a, <laughs> that's a twist and turn sort of <laughs> series of events. <laughs> I, I always like, I, I always say that it started with art and it, it's going to end with art, but um, I didn't always think that I was going to end up in art. And it's definitely, um, it took a lot of twists and turns to, to get here. I, um, I started my first exposure to art was my, my grandfather. He created these really crazy paintings and everyone loved them. And when I was really, really young, I remember thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever that he can do that. And when I started drawing and I started picking up a pencil, um, it started to become evident that I shared his talent. And so once I realized I could do it too, I was like, oh, this is so cool. So I, I dove headfirst into trying to become this hyper-realism artist and doing portraits. Wow. And um, I really, really dove into that for the first like 12 years of my life, just drawing everything. And then around like middle school, you're starting to be hyper aware of the world around you and societal expectations start coming into play. And you start hearing, you know, the term starving artist and you start hearing from society that art's not cool or it's not a, it's not a financially stable career. And it's all weird things to be thinking as a 12 year old, but you're, you're hearing all these things around you and you're like, oh crap, like what, what am I doing? And so I remember consciously thinking to myself that if I want to do anything with art, the only thing that would be financially stable would be to be a cartoonist. Because that seemed to be the only thing out there at the time that I was aware of that you could make a living doing art in. You know, I didn't know graphic design was a thing, most of the stuff you don't know. And so I started getting heavily into cartooning and animation. And I did that um, all throughout middle school, but then, you have people in the art world saying cartooning is not good enough because it's all blown out proportions and heavy lines and people who do cartooning aren't good enough at like the real art. And so it started messing with my head and I went back to realism in high school. So it was, it was crazy. Um, and then in high school, I found graphic design, which my high school would happen to offer it as a class, which was really cool. I did too. Um, yeah. Did it in Stoneham? Or I don't know where you're I from, went where you're to, from. yeah, I went to a high school up in North called Garton Dunstable, but we had design classes too, which is, I guess, unheard of. I didn't know that until I started talking to other designers. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, I thought it was, I had never, didn't even know what graphic design was at that point as a senior in high school. And they offered it and we learned like Photoshop and negative space and Illustrator. And I remember thinking, this is the coolest. And I went around, I told everyone as a senior, I'm like, I'm gonna be a graphic designer. I'm gonna go to RISD and I'm gonna be a graphic designer. And I was like dead set on it. And then every single teacher that I ran into, I mean, that's an exaggeration, not every single teacher, but like <laughs> the, the esteemed ones were all like, oh no, that's not like a real job. That's not important. Um, you know, people who do art aren't smart. They're not academically, you know, all these, all these stupid things. Like I remember my high school physics teacher, um, she told me 
we had like uh, I had to make up her final one day because we had a game during the final, and so I had to make it up. And it, she wanted me to make it up during my art final, and my art teacher was pissed. She's like, "No, like I'm not going to stay after school so that she can make up a physics final when you're going to have her take it during my art class." And my physics teacher was like, "Well, art's not important." So all these stupid things like got in my head. So when I went to college, I like denounced art for a bit, and I just dove. I mean, I drew and stuff. Like I was still doing it for myself, but I denounced it as a career. And so I was exploring psychology and science and engineering and biology and all these things that I thought were more esteemed professions. I, I was just doing art on the side during this whole sort of figuring out my life situation. And I ended up accidentally taking enough classes to major in art. Oh <laughs> <And so>. <laughs> <laughs> So like, as I was trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do with my life, um, I accidentally majored in fine arts. And by the time I got to my senior year, I was like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was actually, it was pretty funny. Um, I almost double majored in psychology because I had about equally as many psych classes as I did art classes. Um, but for psychology, you needed to write a 30 page paper to complete the major. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to stick with art. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. What a journey, honestly. Yeah. I remember when I was, for a while in high school, I wanted to be a geneticist, which is like very specific, <laughs> but I very loved specific. biology and I loved genes. And I thought it was so cool that you could like guess how someone looks based on their genetics. I don't know. I, I was fascinated, but then I had to take like physics and chemistry and I, I didn't fail, but they were a huge struggle. And I was like, I can't do science for the rest of my life. I know that it's not going to be good. So right. then I just randomly took the design courses and I was like, I think I'm going to do graphic design. And I remember my parents being like, is that a viable option? Like, <laughs> like they weren't yep. pushing me away. They were just like, is that something you can do and actually like make a living? And then we just did right. our research and like every company has a graphic designer or multiple graphic designers. So it's absolutely a viable option. But I think parents are always like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. I also feel like when we were in school growing up, like social media was not a huge thing and graphic design was not as well known like as it is today. And it wasn't Green. as accessible. And I feel like now it's a huge, it's grown so much, but also it's just more out there. It's, it's known, it's more an access, an accessible career. And so at the time I remember saying it and like everyone I went to high school with had no idea what I was talking about. Adults did, but the kids I, I went to school with didn't, even the ones that like knew we had graphic design, they didn't know what it was. Oh yeah. Like my friends who were in the graphic design class with me, they were like, Oh, we're just doing this because we don't want to do like gym. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Right. Exactly. <laughs> they were like, Oh, you really yeah. actually like this. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, I had the coolest, um, graphic design teacher. She was so badass, And, um, we did like real tangible projects, which I always thought were so cool. Like she had us design a, like soccer cleat package 
and we designed like our own we had to like create our own brand and so like all these like real tastes of it that I thought were really cool and like exposure yeah that is awesome I can't even remember what we did but I think we did like Photoshop magazine covers, you know, the yeah, classic, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> the standard. Yeah, exactly. So no. do you have any pet peeves about the graphic design industry? <laughs> yes. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, um, now not everyone is this way, but there's a definitely a portion of the field that is very, I would say pretentious. Oh. Um, and and I feel like um, there's this wall up that er, there, it's so cutthroat that everyone wants to just time for themselves and nobody helps each other. And so um, there's a few designers that are really great about sharing their process and making it more accessible to sort of communicate and create a community. Like Made by James is a really good one. Scotty Russell is a really good one. Like I love listening to them because they're so open and transparent. And they're so secure in themselves as artists that they have no problem like sharing their process with people. And I think we need more of that because I think it's, it is such a collaborative space that it's way better to be transparent and collaborate with people than to be so locked in and guarded about everything. I know people that won't even give up what type of brush they use. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, That's are you kidding crazy. me? Like everyone's purchasing the same stuff. We're all doing the same thing. You can hide it as much as you want. But so I think that's my, my biggest pet peeve is it's really hard to share information because people are really, really locked up and uptight about it. Um, I think we need more of an open conversation. You're really good about having open conversations and really exposing graphic design to the general public, which I think we need more of, honestly. Yeah, I think I was like dramatically different in the beginning of my career. I definitely felt self-conscious about my work, but also I was desperate to get clients. So I really avoided like any conversations or anything with other designers. But as soon as I allowed myself to be open and more vulnerable about that stuff, I learned so much like I work yeah. with a designer now um, in a contract position at another company and he's like the most talented designer I know. And he's just like an InDesign wizard. And I've learned so much from him and I'm so glad that I know him and feel like I can ask him questions, but there are a ton of gatekeepers out there. And I think Good word. we can be more, <laughs> we can be more open about all this stuff. Like I wouldn't have been charging like $25 an hour in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just knowing what other people are charging, what their process is like, it just helps everyone. It doesn't mean that they're going to copy you. It's just another thing that they can think about and think about how it relates to how they do things. So I, I completely right. agree. And it creates, I think it creates a um, sort of, if we consider designers as a brand, as a whole in society, it created some brand consistency with us so that <laughs> people coming to us yeah. are like completely thrown off guard when there's these varying different, um, I can't say the word differentiate, but you know what I'm trying to say right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I tell this story all the time, but I had a client reach out about a brand and logo package and like my first year of business and he got estimates from two other people and he replies to me and he's like, why is your package like a solid thousand dollars less than these other people? 
And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> It's crazy, but that's a huge problem because there are people out there who are doing logos for like 50 bucks. And then you and I who are charging probably a lot, but not like an insane amount of money, like right. a, a normal amount. Like we're the ones who are, you know, penalized for that because other people are like, well, I can get it done by this person for $50. So it just, you're right. It, it creates an inconsistency in the industry, which is harmful to all of us. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. So as you're getting more involved in social media for your business, do you find that it's difficult for you to like bring in your personal side to your business or is that something that you purposefully try and, you know, keep it super professional? Like, what is your stance on, on that? Mm, that's a tough one. I'm still sort of figuring that one out for myself um, and kind of feeling out. I, I go back and forth because I'm very visually type A in terms of I like, I'm very drawn to very well curated social media accounts. I think it looks super clean and professional and crisp, but I also think and am a big proponent of there needs to be a level of humanality to it because at the end of the day, people want to deal with people and they don't want to deal with robots. They don't want to deal with social media. They want to deal with you. And so I do think that it's important to infuse your personality into the brand. Um, and I'm still, I'm still trying to find that balance with mine. Um, I'm naturally a very private person. Mm -hmm. And so I don't tend to share my life too much, but I have no problem sharing my personality, if that makes sense. So my, my, my business is based in storytelling. And so I'm, I try to tell as many stories about myself as possible through the lens of my brand. Um, but as far as my personal life, I try to keep that pretty separate. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I feel like I've taken a dramatic turn in the way that I do things too. Like in the first probably two years of running my business, I wasn't even doing any social media at all for, for my business and my services. Wow. So, yeah. So when I hopped on, at I was all? like, this is so weird. Yeah. No, not at all. I mean, I had a Facebook page, but I was barely updating that. Like all my referrals were coming in from my, uh, my networking group or from other people. I know, I think I just lucked out. I just went hardcore into the networking. Like that was yeah, yeah, main, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> main thing. But then I was like, well, there's this whole other thing that I can do, which is social media. Like why not try it? But teasing through what felt good for me and like kind of combining my personal and my business life was, it was tricky. It was weird, but now I feel like there's, it's just, there's no line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yours is, yours flows so naturally to me. I am, I'm always entertained by the reels <laughs> and all the stuff you, you post and, um, your level of transparency is, is awesome. Um, I personally am not, not that confident in my, in my transparency. Um, but I do, I do think that it's important to show your face on camera and, Absolutely. and be as interact with, with people as much as possible through your social media account, because it can't just be photos and it can't just be captions because it just takes away the human element. 
And at the end of the day, just people are sick of robots. <laughs> people want to deal with people. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to to put it. So what has been one of the biggest struggles for you transitioning into full-time entrepreneurship? <sighs> well, I will say that, <laughs> I know, that's, that's a loaded question. <laughs> There's so many different elements to it. I will say that I'm very lucky in the sense that both of my parents have financial careers. And so I, my mom does tax law and she runs her own accounting firm. That's so nice. (laughs) So from like the tax side of things, I've had a very good financial advisor and my dad is in um, commercial lending and banking. And so I have the financial aspects, really, really good advisors on that end. So that took away a lot of the stress in the beginning of figuring out that side of things. I would say the the biggest thing that I've run into was um, figuring out how to streamline everything Um, right off the bat was finding a program that would streamline all of my um, expenses, invoices, emails, calendar, everything that I could get in one place has helped me a lot because in the beginning, it's so many balls up in the air. Um, (laughs) And I remember, I remember reaching out to you and being like, how do I do this? What do you use? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The logistics are crazy. No one gets into entrepreneurship because they like doing that stuff. They're like, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to do my work. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I know. But it's been a game changer streamlining that process. And since then, I mean, everything's run a lot smoothly, but I'd say that one of the biggest culture shocks that I hit coming out of a nine to five job into freelancing or doing this full time as a business owner is setting boundaries, setting work boundaries. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. I I have these like arguments with myself where I'm like, just because you can work all the time doesn't mean you should be working all the time. (laughs) Totally. It's hard because you're, you're now everything's on you. And so there's that, that pressure of, if I'm not working all the time, will things be stable? Will things be afloat? And I've caught myself where I get into these weeks of work, 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 and realize like I haven't taken a single second for myself. And so creating boundaries is something that I think is the biggest struggle for me right now is establishing that there still needs to be some work-life balance. Yeah. And not to, not to worry you, but that's an (laughs) ongoing struggle for me, even, even four and a half years in, I like, I, I've done such a good job over the past, like three months. And then this is always like a really busy time for me. I always have this one big project that comes and every mm-hmm. single time, like clockwork, I'm a mess. <laughs> like, but you know, it's it is what it is, right? Like you can't you can't win them all. <laughs> and it's so true, though. I feel like it changes week by week. I'll have one week where I'm like, I'm feeling very zen right now. I feel very balanced. <laughs> uh, it's like I've got everything under control. And then the next week, I'm like running around like my house is on fire. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> I literally like the other day I was 
like microwaving my lunch and my boyfriend was home. He wasn't working that day. And I was like, apparently like stomping around. And he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, everything is wrong. <laughs> He's like, oh my oh. God, you're stomping. Like, are you okay? <laughs> oh my God, to have been a fly on the wall for that. But I totally understand it. I've had that happen where um, I, I will be, the other day I was, on this crazy deadline and in the middle of it, I realized I have not done my laundry. I have not meal prepped for the week. And I'm like trying to do all these things at once, but there's people living around and walking around. Like, I'm just like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. I need to, and I'm like, oh God, I had to like address, address, like give an apology statement afterwards and be like, I'm sorry. It's so true. I like text people and be like, I'm sorry. I haven't been a good friend this week but I'll be better next week. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but we're, we're all in this together. That's for sure. <laughs> oh my God. It's very, very true. I, um, it's so funny. Cause you, I think you posted a real while back with, um, that like trendy audio that was like, I left my nine to five because oh. I didn't want to be, <laughs> and it was like, no, I work 24 seven. And like this meltdown occurs. And I'm like, I'm experiencing that right now. I was like the first, the first beginning where you're like ramping up and you haven't hit that groove yet. You're like, oh, this is super, super Zen. I got all control over my life. And I'm like, I'm just kind of putting the pieces together. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. Now I have an entire house on my shoulders. (laughs) It's so true. And you're right. It, It changes too, depending on the day, the week, who you can't, you can't always predict it. So I totally understand that. So I have the fun, random, strange questions to ask you now. Let's go. Rapid fire. (laughs) If you were a car, what would you be? (laughs) This is probably the hardest question you could ask me. That's what everyone says. (laughs) You can ask me any existential question you want, but ask me what kind of car I'm going to be and I'm going to blank out. Uh, I should preface it by saying I am not a car person. So this is excessively difficult for me. Um, I agree. But if I were to, because I'm not a car person, if I were to really be off the bat and guess, I would have to say that the car that I own right now would probably be my personality. I I own a Honda Civic and it's old reliable. It's very, it's responsible. (laughs) It's, It's reliable. It's in for the long haul. It can get you up the mountain. It's not gonna win any races, but it's gonna it'll be there for you and it's dependable. And I'd say that that's where I'm at. I love that answer. It's not gonna win any races, but it will finish. That's I you love preface that. that that I'm not comparing that to my workflow. I'm comparing that to, <laughs> I'm comparing that to who I am as a person. I'm very steady, even keeled. Um, I will always be there for you. Condescending, like reliable. Yeah, that's a good answer. I always say that I'm my car too. Like I, I, I do the same thing. So <laughs> I get like it. Some people have like owners. <laughs> some people have crazy responses, and I'm like, how do you even think of that? Like I'm a creative person, but that's just out of the box, and I love it. <laughs> I like if I was into cars, I wonder. I'd probably have a more technical answer, but I honestly like just coming up with a car brand was hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get it. I'm the same way. One track line for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Oh man, but no, I mean that's a good question. I love those types of questions. That's like everyone's <laughs> like hardest question to answer, but also like the listener's favorite question to to listen to. So it's like double sure. story. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when you when you're like online dating. And the the craziest questions are always the most telling too. Yeah. <laughs> like they're it's the most right. awkward and uncomfortable than the answer, but they tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, no, that's a really that's a really good a good comparison. And on last... my hinge profile. <laughs> you should if I were a car, I'd like be a... a Honda Civic. <laughs> Respond accordingly. You're welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so funny line up boys (laughs) (laughs) all right so next question when was the last time someone said wow that's so on brand for you or wow that's so you something that reminds people of you (laughs) well this is very telling but um (laughs) I'm gonna expose myself so hard here but (laughs) (laughs) I love it I am generally a very awkward person. So generally anything that is goofy or awkward is pretty on brand for me. So anytime there is a, but I will say that I'm the first one to laugh at it. Um, I have no problem laughing at my inadequacies. So (laughs) you own it. um, I own it for sure. So that is my brand. That is my personal brand for anyone that's wondering, but (laughs) for this. I have a friend who, when you said that, I thought of her. (laughs) So it's definitely a brand. (laughs) It's definitely a brand. I would say it's it's, um, not overt awkwardness. It's nice. It's stealth awkwardness. It's like you don't expect it coming and then it hits you in the face, but you, you know, you don't see it coming right away. It's very once in a while, but once in a while you'd be like, oh, that's very on brand. (laughs) Which is the best kind of moments in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It creates conversations. That's what I do. I facilitate conversations. Hey, well, there's your storytelling aspect right there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. If it wasn't for me making you uncomfortable, we wouldn't have gotten here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So in the same context, tell me a childhood story that's on brand for you. Or if you can't think of one, how were you as a child? Are you the same or are you a little different now? I'm going to expose myself some more, but here we are. We're on brand. <laughs> um, I would say my, one of my defining qualities as a, as a child was I was always very much um, a mini adult. Um, I was very entrepreneurial from a very young age. Um, and I always wanted to be my own business owner. So I kind of fell into that prophecy now which is cool um but I grew up watching my mom uh run her own business and I always thought that was the coolest thing ever and so from a very early age uh while people are playing like you know dress up in dolls I am you know creating companies (laughs) like (laughs) you know 10 years (laughs) castle at 10 years old um and I was like very serious about it I thought I was I really thought I was like Bill Gates at like 10 years old and I I like (laughs) the stuff that you pull out of the gate that you're confident in at 10 years old and then you look back at it and you're like oh that's awkward but (laughs) I used to um (laughs) I used to make these inventions in my basement um because I really love building things and and creating things with my hands and 
I remember my parents would be like, that's never going to work. What are you doing? And then it would work. I'd be like, ha. And so, but I wouldn't stop at like making the invention. Then I had to make a business out of it. So <laughs> you had to I sell it. Take my, <laughs> I had to sell it. So I would, <laughs> I would go around with this little ledger to my neighbors selling stock and this invention <laughs> oh my that I made in my basement. <laughs> like, no joke, like knocking on doors and be like, I just invented blah, 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 blah. Would you like to buy in on the ground level? <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't even know that was a thing back then. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know where I came up with half the stuff that I came up with. But like I said, I was very, very entrepreneurial. And I always was trying to brand myself some way. I remember I, I would do lemonade stands. Mm, um, classic. But I was like, I need the classic. But I couldn't keep it classic. I was like, um, I need to bring people in the door. I was like, I need to get people excited somehow. And so my you know, 10 year old brain was like, I'm going to give them really salty things to eat for free. So they want more lemonade. (laughs) That's so smart though. So there was like construction workers that would be working on the house down the street. And I should roll up with like bags of chips and pretzels and all these things that would make them thirsty and be like a dollar of lemonade. (laughs) Crying. That's so funny. So conniving. I love it. <laughs> I prefer to look at it as marketing. It's all marketing. There is a strategy for sure. It's strategy. <laughs> Brand strategy for a 10-year-old. So oh, impressive. Goodness. I look back at though, I can't believe the the selling stock to my neighbors. I'm I'm still mortified over that, but I don't know how my parents let me walk out of the house with a ledger doing that. But well, they probably <laughs> couldn't stop you. They're like, she's gonna do it. So just let her do it. <laughs> so fair. That's so valid. <laughs> Every Christmas, I mean, it was never it was never just a normal Christmas. I'd walk up and be like, do my brand pitch. <laughs> love it the confidence you need it you need it if you're gonna do this so it seems like you've had it (laughs) well I I had it then I didn't have it you know jumping in from leaving my full-time job it's crazy the confidence you have as a child when there's no stakes on the table for sure that's so valid because I know when I was a kid I was the same way and then I feel like in middle school high school you kind of mellow out a little bit because you're like I want to be cool and I don't want to draw attention and all this other stuff and then as an adult I feel like I, I kind of brought it back a little bit but it, that's yeah. so true it ebbs and flows for sure <laughs> it definitely ebbs and flows um <laughs> yeah awesome. so I would say that that's my on-brand story <laughs> that pretty much checks out I wouldn't say um <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm, I think you use the word connive and that's not me at all, but I would say that I, I am very, um, well, you, you have like strategy, problem- you strategize. Yeah, I like, I like strategizing. I like problem solving. Um, so I, that's always been fun for me. Yeah. It checks out then. That's awesome. I love that story so much. <laughs> Just picturing you walking around being like, buy stock. They're like, okay. <laughs> sure honey it's like signatures and everything oh my god so funny amazing all right so I mean that was pretty funny but the last question I have (laughs) 
is I always ask about people's sense of humor because I feel like your sense of humor tells a lot about you. And I just think these stories are funny. So I always yeah. ask what the funniest story is you have, or if you can't think of like the funniest something recently that was funny or just something about your sense of humor. Mm, that's fair. Um, I remember when you emailed me the questions, one of them was like one of the funniest things you've ever witnessed. Yeah. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for my life, most of the things I've been, I've been the victim of rather than <laughs> witnessing. <laughs> um, so most of the funny stories I have are derived at my own expense. Um, Perfect. But <laughs> so um, I will actually, let's see. I don't know how telling this is, but I'll share it anyway. Um, I accidentally got locked in a Sephora one time. You locked, got locked so, into Sephora? Locked into a Sephora, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that would have to be one of the funniest stories of my existence. Um, how did that happen? <laughs> I'm also, you should know, I'm very like go with the flow, roll with it type of person. Um, so I, uh, I don't always in like a social scenario think ahead so i <laughs> oh boy <laughs> i love this already <laughs> so i um had to go to a friend's baby shower and um my friend was picking me up at, at 10 a.m and i had worked really late the night before it was a saturday and i'd worked really late friday night so i didn't have time friday to go out and get i was out of foundation i need more foundation but i was like oh She's not picking me up until 10. So I was like, I'll just run out in the morning and I'll get the foundation really quick. And then I'll just run back and like do my makeup. So, you know, morning of, it's a Saturday. So they don't open till nine. And I know she's coming at 10. So there's this little, there's a rush there. So I get up, I get dressed, I get everything ready, except for my makeup. I sprint down the street to Sephora and I park the car and I'm I'm in a rush I was like I need to like I still haven't done my hair and my makeup yet so and it's 9 a.m so I'm in a rush so I park the car I don't take my cell phone I don't take anything with me because I'm like I'm just running in no <laughs> you can see where this is going I'm just running in quick I'm just gonna grab it and go and I don't have time for any details so I just sprint through the door and it was open so I just sprint in and it shuts behind me and I run over the to the makeup counter. And as I'm there, I'm looking around and I'm realizing there's no one in the store. <laughs> and and so now I'm I'm realizing it's eerily quiet and there's not a single customer around. And then I realize there are no employees around anywhere. And so now I'm panicking slightly because I've realized something has gravely gone wrong here. <laughs> So I'm walking around and it's pretty evident they're not open. The lights aren't even on. Like I don't. You went in with the lights off. <laughs> I mean, it, no, granted, it's mid, mid morning at this point. So it was bright out. So you yeah, can't tell you the lights really were know. off yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the outside. Once you get in there, it's like, oh, it's kind of shady in here. But, <laughs> but <laughs> So I go to walk out because I'm thinking, well, the door was open when I walked in. I'm just going to casually back out of here and just pretend it didn't happen but of course the door locked behind me so, <laughs> oh my so I'm in there and I don't have my cell phone and I'm like meanwhile the 
time is ticking away. And my first thought is I didn't tell anyone that I was coming to Sephora. <laughs> I literally ran out and my friend does not know that I'm here and she's coming to pick me up and my family doesn't know where I am. And so no one has a clue. So, <laughs> so I go to find the phones and they must unplug the phones at the end of the day and put them away. There were no phones. What? So I'm like, wow. I mean, I don't know if this is a new policy or if it was just the day that I was having. Um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't clarify this as a casual day. So I don't know something, a lot of things had to go wrong for this to happen. So <laughs> um, that day in particular, there were no phones around. So now I'm finding the security cameras in the store and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to flag people down. In waving madly <laughs> waving screaming yelling not like not like I wasn't hysterical by any means I actually thought it was hilarious of but course. I was more just panicked by this by the fact that I'm going to miss my friend's baby shower if I don't get out of here is other than that I wasn't in any imminent danger I was locked in the makeup right. store so I mean <laughs> <laughs> it would open eventually <laughs> eventually you know what um so I'm I'm trying to get the flag security cameras then I'm like maybe there's like a security driving by that I can flag down because it's an outdoor marketplace um okay. and the storefront is like on the you know it's it's on the street a little bit so yeah. now I'm I'm banging on the doors and knocking and trying to wave but it's 9 a.m on a Saturday and there's not a soul in sight of course <laughs> and at this point it's probably like 9 30 not a single person around so I'm like Oh, this is the caveat in the story that just, you know, adds a nice little layer. Unbeknownst to me, my mom was around the corner at the Starbucks having lunch <laughs> with her girlfriends. She was literally three stores down and has no idea that I'm trapped in a makeup store. So if you had had your phone, she would have been like, be right there. Like, yeah. Oh, I never, I never again do I leave my car, my phone in the car when I run into a store. But, um, so it's hysterical. So I'm banging on the door. I'm trying to flag down anyone's attention. And then out of nowhere, this woman walks out from the back of the room with these oh. noise canceling headphones on and a full mask, like a full um, face mask on. And she's carrying like a box of makeup. And so she must not have heard me like yelling. She had noise canceling headphones on. So she walks around the corner and I surprise the hell out of her. Of and like, she just drops, she just drops the stuff on the floor and she's staring at me and I'm like I got locked in can you let me out <laughs> and she doesn't say a word to me she just walks over to the door she puts her key in she unlocks it she opens it doesn't say a word just stares and lets me out I did not get any makeup that oh day. my god <laughs> <laughs> foundationless <laughs> foundationless my friend was like you should have just done your makeup while you were in there you were in a store full of makeup but I was like I'm gonna have to pay for that eventually they have cameras so I know oh my god what a whirlwind of a story that was a roller coaster <laughs> that was a roller coaster it was um that's classic. when I'm in a rush I'm very tunnel vision on what I need to get oh, done yeah. yeah and I mean to, to my in my defense the door was open it was unlocked so you got in there somehow so I got in there somehow but I would love to see the security footage of that of that day <laughs> they're like who is this person how they get in there Amazing. I know it's definitely probably a story they must tell at like company get-togethers at this point oh yeah 
Oh, that's so good. I love that story. My cheeks hurt from laughing. Oh my God. <laughs> so if you're wondering what myself, my sense of humor is, it's, it's, it's self-deprivate, it's self-deprecation at, <laughs> to make other people feel better about themselves is that I will do what needs to be done so that you can feel good about yourself. I love that. We need people like you. <laughs> Oh my God. Thank you so much for that. That was great. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was my last question for you, but I want to make sure that I give you a few minutes to just tell people where they can find you and um, anything else you, you want to promote. And I'll put everything in the, the notes section. So you don't have to like worry about spelling or, or anything like that. So, yes. So I am, I own Storybook Road Creative Agency. It's a branding agency that specializes in videography, brand copywriting, and brand design. Um, but I prefer that everyone think of the agency as your business's personal storyteller. That's how I describe it to people. Um, I want it to be a conversation. It's not just a business taking over your business and telling you what to do and how I think it should be run. It's a conversation of what's your story and how can we put it out in the world so that other people can hear it? Because at the end of the day, people want to relate to something. And so I consider my job just sort of facilitating that communication between your customers and your brands so that you both can find a mutual connection point. Um, and so I encourage anyone that you know wants to work. I, I have an Instagram, it's at Storybook Road. And uh, my email is storybookroadrd. It's storybookrd. I should probably clarify that. No dot agency at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I, I just really enjoy honestly hearing about people's stories and everyone's business story is so different and everyone's uh, purpose for their business is so different. And um, as much as I love telling them, I really love hearing them. And it's really cool to connect with people that way. Yeah, I feel the same way. That's why I'm doing this. Like, I, I just love connecting with other business owners. And even in every industry, like we're both, we both do design work and we have totally different clients and services and stories and purposes and all that stuff. And there's just, there is room for everyone and everyone should tell their story. I totally agree. <laughs> I agree. I also just think, um, no matter what industry you're in, there's so many different ways that you can learn from other people's experiences. And even if they're not in your space, just what they might do in their business or how they interact with people. I just, I always find some takeaway, no matter who I'm, I'm talking to about, oh, I might do that differently. Or that's a cool way to approach that. Um, and I just think, I think these conversations are, are necessary. I absolutely agree. And I'm always learning. I'm never a total expert in anything. And I embrace that. And I, I just love it. I love connecting with people. So thank you so much for coming on here, telling your story, talking about Sephora. <laughs> <laughs> that's just gonna, that's gonna be the title of it, unfortunately. But you know what? I own it. It is what it is at this point. No, I, I love Just it. Just know so, that yeah. if I'm talking to you as a customer, I will always be transparent with you. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I love our conversations all the time. So thanks for- I know, me too. I'm very thankful. <laughs> very thankful that Instagram brought us together. 
I know. Gotta love Instagram. <laughs> Gotta love it. This was actually, I mean, this was a great break from, from all the work. It was really nice to <laughs> have that conversation. Super light, super fun. Good. Well, I'm glad. So thank you so much. And I urge everyone to connect with you on social media. Yeah, right back. Looking forward to meeting new people. Awesome. All right. Well, I will talk to you later. Thanks again. All right. Bye. Good to Bye. see you.